Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Let's introduce our friends we have with us here tonight. I think a lot of you know these people, but if you don't, this is a great night for you because you get to meet them. This is Michael and Elizabeth Kramer, and they are missionaries. They've been part of our church family for a very long time, and we're really glad that they're here. Would you tell us about how you came to the Lord? Will you tell you about your spiritual youth and, and where that starting point was for each one of you? Yeah, so I was pretty young. Uh, my parents owned a bar, and um, they got saved. Long story short, they turned it into a church in the middle of the roaring Big Tent Revival days, and um, just saw the Holy Spirit move in an incredible way, and um, it moved on me, and uh, God touched my heart. I got healed from a leg that was broken, and um, it, was, it was right around the time, I was just, you know, messing around with my brothers, broke my leg, I uh, was in a wheelchair for a month, uh, foot never really, my heel never healed back really right and um, I had bone spurs and it was it was very painful and uh, we're in a service and um, the evangelist that was there at the time says does anybody want healing and I, I was like yeah I need, I need it just being a young young kid I thought that's what I need for my foot and um, just childlike faith just prayed and he prayed and um, God literally healed it I stood up and there was no pain so I thought wow this is God I want this. <laughs> so it's cool. It's really cool. Elizabeth? Yeah, so, I mean, some of you were here when I got saved, which is just incredible to me. I grew up here in this church. Um, but my family came to know the Lord uh, through a woman's aglow meeting. My mom started going to Bible studies, and we had been very involved in uh, another church. And um, there was kind of a, a more reverent um, different kind of more ritualistic kind of relationship with God, but there wasn't this like friendship that you could have with God. And as my mom just started reading the scriptures and getting to know the God of the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible, and realizing that there could be a friendship, a relationship there, um, she really wanted to seek out more. And as she asked the leadership of her church, they finally looked at her and said, I don't think you belong here anymore, um, and pretty much kicked her out. And so, unfortunately. And we're so glad they did. Yes, amen. And so after a little while of going to a few different churches in the area, they settled here at Oak Creek Assembly of God, and um, they started bringing us along. So there's six kids in my family, and uh, we really exploded the youth and the children's program at the time with another family that came right around the same time with seven kids. But um, it was just just seeing the change in my parents, both my parents, and my dad you know, came to the Lord a little later, but just seeing the change in them over time and, and watching that, I knew that I wanted to have that same relationship with God and just seeing so many great people of faith here in the church, like the Potters and Pastor Jerry and Sherry and so many others. Um, it was Donna Wolf, some of you might remember. She's the one who invited us here. Um, but just incredible, just watching these adults of the faith and, and watching their spiritual journeys and just knowing, like, that's the God I want to know. Um, so I, I accepted the Lord at a young age, too, and, you know, went through my college questioning years, but always knew God was always there for me. 
So like, I want all of us to take a moment and just think a little bit about your spiritual youth, you know, that like, those years when you come to relationship with Jesus. And so for some people, their spiritual youth is when they're in their physical youth and it's in their teenage years or things like that. And then for others, it may be something that happens, you know, much later in life. But in that spiritual youth, it's such a precious time. It's the time when you kind of learn about God and have this feeling of like, well, you know, what would happen if I gave him everything? You know, like what if I gave up control over the things I want and the things I think are best for me and I chose the things that he wants, the things that he thinks are best for me? Like what if I surrendered that? And I think with that, like all of us kind of put together a basket of, of the things that we have you know, the giftings that we have, the strengths or weaknesses that we bring to the table, and we kind of like surrender that to him and hand it off. And, and so if I, I think about what that's like for each one of us, I think in, in your story, I want to ask the question of what did that feel like for you? Like when God said, hey, would you give me everything, Elizabeth? Like what did you feel like you were giving him? You know, some of you know our past as well, but, um, you know, we were living here and working here. We had our house, our 401k, every Everything that I thought, that's, that's what you want to attain in life. That's what you want to go after. And so in 2011, when, when God said, go, go now, give it, give it all up. You know, we, we sing those songs. We pray those prayers all the time. But then when God says it, it's like, really? That's what? You know, I've been working in the Oak Creek Franklin School District. It's a great school district. I was like 12 years away from being able to retire with a full pension. And just so many things that... God said, go now. And we just knew, like, if we didn't answer that call in our lives, if we didn't do that, we knew we would regret it forever. If, if we didn't turn and say, okay, God, you've asked us to do this, we'll, we'll give it all up. And we, we did. And it wasn't easy. But, you know, it's every day. Sometimes that you need that day-to-day faith. Sometimes you need that minute-to-minute faith. You know, sometimes, and sometimes I can go a couple days and be like, hey, this is great. But, you know, there's those things that God calls you to give up. And it's not just a one-time, like, okay, we, you know, eight years ago, we, we sold our house, sold our cars. But it's, it's a daily surrendering back to God's will and saying, okay, God, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do for today um, that, that's there? And so that mentality, um, the day-to-day surrender, mm-hmm. how does that feel different or look different? Oh, I think it is different. <laughs> you know, yes. for me, sometimes it was just giving up control over, like, I have no control over the electricity or the weather or the internet. You know, it's so many things that we just don't have control over. <laughs> you just have to be flexible. You know, they say that's like a main thing when you work overseas is just be flexible because these things happen. And if I'm going to get angry and frustrated and upset and, you know, not trust that God has this all in his hands anymore, I, I would have left, you know, but we know that God has those things. Yeah. As Americans, we're drivers. I mean, we get there like, we are going to get this done. We have A, B, C, and D, and we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to drive through it. Um, but, you know, we see them say, well, hey, you know, electricity went out. There's, there's a roadblock. The bridge broke. We're not, it's just not going to get done today. <laughs> and we're sometimes stubborn to say, yes, it is going to get done today. And then we realize 12 hours later, oh, it's not going to get done today. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's this, there's this um, I guess, this push and this pull where we want to accomplish something, and yet sometimes it's just, it's just not possible to accomplish that. So we have to take a step back 
and say, okay, God, sometimes it doesn't happen in my timing. It's not going to happen when I want to see it happen, but I know you're still at work and you're still going to do it. And there's, there's definitely a, a sovereignty in God in moving things forward. And when we pray, we see God accomplish things and, and things get done. But we've learned, and I've learned, to not put my faith in circumstances. Whereas if I put my faith in a circumstance of when that gets done, as, and, and I, you know, we want to give God the glory when things are accomplished, but it seems like what I've seen in the mission field, it's really hard because sometimes things just don't get done the way that I want to do it. But I still know that God's in control and that God wants to see all these people come to him. And it's not going to be easy. <laughs> so we still plow forward, even though sometimes there's hardship. So today we're going to look at a missionary by the name of Peter. And so if you want to pull out your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can go to Acts chapter 3. And so each week of this series, we're going to take out one episode from the book of Acts. And we're going to let the Kramers kind of lead us through today on Acts 3 as we see how missionary Peter responded to an unexpected path. Yeah, so in, in this story, um, you know, Peter and John are going off to the temple. They're probably doing their regular things there, they're, um, whether they're teaching or whether they're learning. They're going off to the temple, and it happened to be at the same time as they're bringing all the people with disabilities and the lame men up to this gate called Beautiful. And they, they put him down there as, as Peter and John are passing. And this is something we see in Asia on a regular basis. And I really, I read scripture so differently now from an Asian perspective sometimes because it's, it is so much like this. Like there are lame people that sit on the street and they sit in main thoroughfares where they know that people who have money are going to come past, whether it's tourists or that they're sitting in, that way, in their way almost. And, and they're going to tug, they're going to come and, and pull. And that's what this lame man was doing. And he's sitting at this gate and he sees Peter and John coming and he says, hey, do you have any money for me? Can you give, a, can you give me money? And um, Peter says, look at us. Like, do we look like we have money? We're missionaries. We don't have money. <laughs> we have people ask us for money a lot. <laughs> sorry, we don't have that. We're really sorry. But they said, what, what I do have, I will give to you. And, and Peter says to him, rise up and walk. And so the man gets up and... and, uh, and Peter literally pulls him up, and he starts walking and leaping and praising God, and he runs through, and he tells everybody what has happened. And because of this, because there was so much commotion going on, people started gathering around. And again, we see this a lot in Asia. If there's something exciting going on, people are going to come out to watch and see. Uh, and they do that here, too. So <laughs> kind of that gaper thing, they, they go on. But anyway, as, as people came by, and Peter, the good evangelist that he was, sees all these people coming around, and he thinks, <laughs> what a great opportunity. Now that I have you all here, I want to tell you about somebody. I want to tell you about Jesus. And um, he's able to give them so much more. You know, this man is looking for money, and, and Peter and John don't have that. But what they do have, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the power of Jesus to heal, that's what he's going to give him. And, um, and as he preaches and, and he, he tells them of the resurrection and of Jesus, uh, the Sadducees are there. And if you've heard pastors preaching over the last couple of weeks, he talked about the Sadducees. They don't believe in the resurrection, so they get very angry and they decide to have him arrested. Um, and they only hold him for a night and then he's let go. But um, 
Just what a cool story, though, um, and something that we've been able to apply as well, and hopefully that you'll be able to take something away from this. Um, but our, our key passage is that um, Acts 3.6, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And Acts 4.4, 4, many of the people that heard their, this message believed it. And so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. So thousands were able to hear this story, see this man that they had seen every day that they probably trip over or have to walk around or step over every day who probably asked them for money as well. They see him up walking and leaping and praising God as he goes on his way, and they become saved. Um, what a great testimony of God. But that man, he, he was looking for money. He thought he needed money. And, you know, very often people think, I need money, I need money. But what Peter saw is he doesn't need money. He needs Jesus. And the healing, I think that's kind of a bonus, you know. He didn't necessarily probably need that, but that's a bonus. That's something God blessed him with. Um, and we see that, that, you know, in order to be used of God in unexpected ways, we're not asked to give the resources or abilities um, that we do not have. John wasn't being told by God, give this man all the money that you have or go and catch some fish and they're going to have coins in their mouth and give them to this man. He could do that, right? We know he could do that, but he doesn't. He says, you know, that he, he impresses on Peter, don't give him silver or gold. And, and Peter prayed for him. But we're asked to offer generously the things that we do have, the resources that we do have, the talents that we do have. And when we give that to God, man, he blesses our socks off, doesn't he? Yeah, I look at this story, and I remember back hearing this when I was younger, and um, I always thought that Peter, you know, just being this, this bold man, I was kind of stepping his, you know, forward and putting his foot in his mouth or doing something just very, very much in a bold way, and um, I've always thought of this story as Peter just taking that first step and seeing this man lame and, and not taking uh, his position um, but saying, hey, you're going you're gonna to walk. I mean, the Holy Spirit was obviously working and speaking through Peter, and Peter didn't wait for the man to get up. Peter grabbed this man by the hand and lifted him up off the ground, is what it says. He lifted him up. Peter had this confidence that Jesus was going to heal him, so much so that he said, in the name of Jesus Christ and others, walk, lifted him up, and then stood him up, and his feet were strengthened. And so I always thought, wow, man, this is, this is Peter just with extreme boldness, and and, and it is, but in the context of this, as I read through this whole passage, it's, it's, it's an incredible story of how God has planned out his salvation message to work through the disciples and starting with Peter. If you look at this, this is the first time after Jesus goes to heaven and after the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples that there's a miracle. So this is the this is, this is initial miracle of the disciples starting their earthly ministry. And it's the first time that Peter walked out and said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So it's in Jesus' name. This isn't me healing you, Peter saying. This is Jesus healing you. Um, you rise up and walk. And so there's this inauguration of the disciples' ministry it's happening right at this point. 
They went out, the people saw this and said, who are these people? And so they started to become defined as later in the church's pastor had shared um, in the book of Acts, they became known as Christians, uh, Christ followers. And um, so this is exciting because this is, this is right at the cusp of this, when this is all starting. And I don't think that Peter really realized that moment. He just walked over and said, hey, you need to get healed, man, and you need to come and follow us. And he just lifted him up. And it was this incredible start as Peter saw all the people standing around and said, yeah, I'm just going to share. What an opportunity. It's an inauguration of their ministry. And then there's this man who's sitting there who really, literally, he's on the outside of this gate outside the city of Jerusalem. After he gets healed, it says he went walking and leaping, and he walked into the temple with the disciples and worshiped Jesus with them. So figuratively, he was on the outside of what was happening, thinking of a certain way that he needed to receive things. And then when God touched him, he was instantly an insider and walked with Jesus and knew what he really needed and received that in Jesus Christ. So it's a pretty cool story. I think as believers, a lot of times we can look at what we're lacking, right? Like we can look at our basket and see how empty it is or how small our gifts might feel compared to someone else. We can look at the little loaves and the fish in our basket and think, well, that's not enough for God to do anything significant with. That Peter could have been like, well, I don't really have enough money to give this guy, so I'm going to tiptoe around him and go teach the gospel in, in the synagogue. But instead, Peter used the strength that God had given him and, and ministered in a way that was so powerful. And so uh, even like in our basket, we have our strengths and our weaknesses, and yet God doesn't see lack in any of it, but he sees the ability to use all of those for his glory and his kingdom building. And so I wonder what weaknesses and what strengths God has used in your lives to share the gospel, whether here in America or in Nepal. Yeah, the, you know, the ability to, to have something that we were offering. Um, as an architect, I was doing design of, of buildings. Elizabeth, a teacher, was helping teach in, in classrooms and uh, with children with special needs. And um, we thought, hey, we're just going to give our what we have as far as our gifts and to see how God can use that. And he's raised up and allowed us to do a, a lot of things through those. Um, but, but, but not that you initially knew. No, no, not at right, all. Like, no, like, it just, it, like, this all just happened. Whenever you say, yes, God, you're thinking, okay, I'm leaving behind my career as an architect. Absolutely. I'm leaving behind my career as an yeah. educator. God doesn't need those things. He needs me to yeah, lay just down. be Peter. Just, <laughs> yeah, right. Just say, hey, God, we're just going. And, um, we're just going to heal lame men at Temple Gates <laughs> it's just, every no day. Idea. We're just gonna... And that was what's interesting is we, we had no idea what God was going to do. And... Um, in the moments in his sovereignty, he had definitely lined some things up. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, not shortly after, we were able to get um, our company established. To, be, to get a visa permanently, you have to have a company or you have to be there for research. Right, because you can't just be like, I'm a missionary. No, that's no, illegal. <laughs> so we went in and started a construction company. And so we were able to get our visa through that. So initially we thought- Isn't that wild? Right, so like if someone with my skill set of, hey, I've been a pastor my whole life, wanted to go do what Michael's doing. I couldn't do it because I don't have the career backing that he had to do what he's doing. And I think that's so awesome, the way that God works. 
Silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have, I'm going to give yeah. it to you. He's an architect. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's not even six months after the company started, we had this massive earthquake. Some of you may have heard about that. And um, through that, so many things happened. Initially, um, you know, all these nonprofit organizations came and were able to give millions of dollars. They, they weren't going to be doing that at all, but Selma Zagad, superintendent, general superintendent, said, I think we have a company in Nepal. And so they called us up and said, can we funnel this money through you guys? And sure. So we were just, you know, night and day, just taking <laughs> duffel bags full of cash. Like, I feel like I'm robbing the bank, you know, and just... And buying We've rice all been there, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it was literally, we, we gave out 100,000 meals in the first week with, with Convoy of Hope on That's the ground. That's incredible. And, and then we were able to do not just feeding programs, but started uh, an earthquake-resistant home project that built over 1,000 homes and put so many more people back into homes and able to start a discipleship program after that. So we turn around and look, and hindsight's 2020, oh, I think I get it now, God. Could you have possibly sent me to architecture school because 25, 30 years later, you're going to do this and whatever. God, to your glory, you know, you do it. So. It is. And it's like God's amazing individual craftsmanship of how he forms you. And yet we in our whole little like American mindset can talk ourselves down. I mean, you look at like a Pastor Brooks who's been the pastor's church for 40 years. He's an amazing preacher, an amazing leader. He could not do what you're doing because God has crafted this spot for you to do the work that he needs to have accomplished. And he has formed you from the time you were 10 and surrendered your life to him to do that. And that's, it's breathtaking. Elizabeth, will you talk a little bit about what it was like for you to walk away from a classroom experience and being a teacher for years? You know, I struggled so hard when God first called us and said, go now. We knew there was an urgency to it. We knew we had to go. And, and I kept thinking, what do I have? I know Michael's got his architecture. We kind of had worked that out and, and thought about that. But I'm like, I, I'm a teacher. I don't speak in front of people at all, ever. <laughs> like, if you know me, like, I was always hiding behind my mom's skirts. Like, public speaking is not one of my fortes. It's not something that I wanted to do or ever thought I was, you know, capable of doing. And you know, just as we kept taking those small steps of faith, God kept pushing us forward. And, you know, it was, oh, speak five minutes here, speak two minutes there, speak three minutes. And as we started doing things, then God started really, you know, just working through some of my fears and my anxieties and bringing that all to fruition. And somebody had told me early on, you know, nothing that you do, nothing, none of your talents, none of your resources, none of that is wasted. God can use all of that if you surrender that to him. And he really has, you know, and I've been able to teach while I've been overseas and teach children with special needs, especially. And, and, and um, so that's been something I was able to use and to go into teacher training schools. And uh, some of you might know I, I even do karate. I'm a second degree black belt in karate. And who, well, why is God going to use that? How is he going to use that? It, it was just an interest of mine, something that I used to get into shape. And when the kids were little, it was my little escape for a couple hours, and you know, here and there. But... Um, God was able to use that, and I was able to do self-defense training with women who've been um, rescued from trafficking. 
and teach self-defense to them. So God even was able to use that. And, you know, as we just keep throwing those things on the altar of God and saying, I, I don't know what you can do with this. This is something I have. Who knows? God is able to take and make something amazing out of it. And we yeah. see that over and over in, in the Bible, how God takes ordinary people yeah. and does extraordinary things if you just allow him to work through you. So that's yeah. been yeah, a I great think, experience. You know, I like our analogy we're using tonight. You put that basket together, and it's like... Yeah. You ever put like a, like a fruit ball in your house and you only want to put like the nice stuff on top? You know what I mean? So you see the nice stuff. And we can kind of treat ourselves that way with like, I want to, I want to show the good stuff first. And then only once you've eaten all of that, you're going to find out that there's like a rotten orange in the bottom. God uses our weaknesses. Yeah. And your list that you would say there is like, well, you know, I've got this, I've got this. Well, you might be sitting here tonight and go, yeah, but I'm, I'm divorced or I'm, I'm unemployed at the moment. Or, you know, I've... I had a, a child out of wedlock. I, I've had this experience. You know, I had, you know, whatever that list is. And don't put it at the bottom of the basket because God says, I want all of you. Yeah. I want all yeah. of you. Every step, every misstep yeah. that you've taken in your life, I have a redemptive path for every part of that. Yeah. And so bring it to the table. Give it to me. Surrender it to me. And then watch out because yeah. you're going to be amazed at what, at what I can do. Yeah, we give him dry bones, right? Yeah. And God brings an army, right. right? We give him deserts, and he brings new life and streams in the wilderness. Um, I, love, I love what you're saying earlier. You're like, at some point, God told us to go now. And I just think the timing of that is amazing, that you submitting to God's authority in that moment, in that season, saying, okay, and you did it right away. Okay, you shared a really cool story this morning. And I don't know how to tie it into what we're doing tonight, but it's just a really cool story. So can you please tell us your cool missionary story? Yeah. You know, it's funny. In our first um, maybe six months, we, thought we had felt called to these, these three people groups, and we knew we wanted to go to those areas, and it all happens to be in this one region, like a restricted, restricted. area. You can't go there unless you pay a lot of money. Well, we couldn't go to the really expensive area because there was five of us, so we went to the less expensive area. And we had checked through these villages, and there had been um, some, some uh, landslides and things so we couldn't get around. But we had just wandered through these villages and we had just been praying, God, what would you have for us to do with these people groups? We, we want to be here. We want to see them reached for the Lord. And at that time, there had been no churches in that region. There were no believers in any of those groups. We went past this section and we knew that there was no believers amongst these people. They're one of the unreached people groups that we were praying for. And we prayed. I mean, for five years, we've prayed and tracked and took teams, and we went into different homes. And um, we found out one day there's a believer. And uh, we thought, we got to find this person. And so we found where this person's house was, and it was, just, it was right in front of where we had been trekking past for so many years since we've been there and thought, I had no idea. And so we walked into this lady's house. Her name is Premi. And um, we actually brought a team with us from Trinity Bible College and sat there and listened to her testimony. She said, five years ago, I got deathly sick. And um, she's, she's a Tibetan Buddhist. Her, her brothers are the head monks in the monastery, which is the original Tibetan line of folk Tibetan that came from Tibet that landed in that area. And so she's part of that family line. She's, been, she's raised in the monastery her whole life. And um, she got deathly sick. And her brothers, being the head monks, said, you need to do your mantra prayers. And it's this little Tibetan box. 
And in there's there's little pieces of paper with these written scripts in ancient Tibetan. And um, they pray these, they say them, they believe the magic is in the word. It's kind of like the spell if you've watched a movie where someone says something, you know, it's kind of like that. And they believe the magic happens if you say it just right. And so she's saying these prayers. And um, she's telling us this story that she had done this for 30 days and she progressively got worse and worse and worse until she felt like she was next to death. And she's crying out, I'm going to die, I need help. And um, suddenly there appears a man floating in the corner of her room, so bright, shining that she can't even look at him. And she says, who's this? I, what is this? And so she thinks it's because she's doing these mantra prayers, so she keeps praying her mantra prayers. She has no idea. And um, nothing happens. She still remains sick. So day after day, she said, for another 30 days, I prayed these prayers, and nothing happened. And for 30 days, that man showed up floating in the corner of my room, and nothing happened. <laughs> Until one day, she said, there was a guy that came into her little guest house or house that she served him tea, and on the way out, he nervously turned around and said, I don't know if this means anything to you, um, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and I think he's trying to get your attention. <laughs> and he leaves. And she says, who's that? Who? You know, and so she's, she's confused, and then she remembered there was this little book that someone else had mentioned that they left that she had in a big pile of rice and a whole bunch of garbage in the corner, and she fished it out and found it and opened it up and opened it to the book of John and read about Jesus, and she said, if that's you, I need to be healed. And instantly, like that, she was healed. And she's telling me this story. I'm th yeah, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm applauding. My, my jaw's on the floor. I've never heard anything like this before, but... But when you connect the dots, you see how God moves and how God uses people and how God used even that one man who was nervous, probably for his life, because he could have gotten to jail, he was probably thinking, for sharing the gospel in a restricted area. And um, all he said was, I think he's trying to get your attention. He leaves, and it's the moment where this woman meets Jesus. I, there's a, an author by the name of Bob Goff, and he says it this way. He says that decades of church attendance will instantly be outweighed by one radical act of love. Mm -hmm. And I see like that man who just dropped in yeah. because the Spirit of God told him to drop in, yeah. Peter seeing someone on the side of the road and saying, I don't have silver or gold, but I do have something I can give you. Those radical act of love, as a Christian, I'm standing on the sideline going, Ooh, pick me. Yeah, right. Amen. <laughs> pick me. Like, I, I want to be in this game. Yeah. Like, I, I want to be part of this. I don't want to be a bystander. I want to be a participator in the spiritual move of God. Yeah. That if God is looking for someone to be willing to go drop into that woman's house or to be willing to help that lame man yeah. stand up, I want to be someone with just the largest ears you've ever seen on a person <laughs> to say, I'm listening. I'm listening and I'm willing to go. I'm willing to say yes to whatever you would say, I think we can be those people. I think God can build that skill and that heart inside of each one of us to chase after his will and move in that way. Mandy, we help us close up tonight. We're so grateful that you guys came and um, you've made a lifestyle of using the resources that God has given you to pour out his love on people. And so I was wondering if we, would, we could close tonight just for you to pray over our Life Together family that God would... Um, help us to use our resources to share his kingdom with people around us. 
Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you use all of us. And every part of us, Lord God, we surrender to you. We thank you, Jesus, that we don't even know sometimes when the moment is going to come that we have an opportunity to, to be an example of you, Lord God, like Peter was, just following after you and just taking in the moment and loving on people. Lord God, help us to love people and to show them the love that you had for us, Lord God. Help us to invite them into this awesome family and have an opportunity to, to know you. So, Lord God, thank you for the opportunity that and the opportunities that you give us to follow after you, to get to know you better, and to be able to share that with other people. And I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us. Lord God, we know you're, you have divine appointments just laying out there all over the place because you are touching hearts and lives and you are preparing people, Lord God, to receive your word. So help us to just step in, Lord God. Help each one of us to just step in and to feel that moment and to allow you to use us, Lord God. Thank you so much for those opportunities that you're about to give each one of us, Lord God. Thank you that you've called us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.